Great leaders are great multipliers. And there's no faster way to be a multiplier than to become a great coach, to master empathy, asking powerful questions, and mindful listening. On this episode of Leadership Excellence Podcast, we sit down with coach and leadership expert, Lisa Martin, who came to us from Vancouver, Canada. And this episode is just going to blow you away. I know it blew me away. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langwas. Today, we're joined by Lisa Martin. Lisa is joining us from Vancouver, Canada. It's amazing what we can do now with Zoom and all the technology out there. She is the founder of The Coach Like Leader, and she's also the bestseller, a bestselling author of Briefcase Mom. And what I love about this book and what I learned from Lisa as we talked is, you know, undeniably, women, female leaders, female who are in careers, women who are in careers have so much more to overcome, so many more challenges. And this book breaks down how to balance that, be successful in both, and and I think relieve some of the the stress that comes with that. And I'm, you know, I'll let her talk about that here in just a, in just a second. But today we're going to take a deep dive into leaders as coaches. If you follow anything that I'm doing, you know, I think great leaders are great multipliers. And I've been trying to learn more and more about this idea of being coach like. Uh, the ability to ask great questions, be a better listener, and how we develop people in that way and the impact it has on organizations. So we're going to learn all about that today from Lisa. But Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Danny, I'm excited to be here and look forward to our conversation. So Lisa, can you talk to me about your inspiration for Briefcase Mom? Well, my inspiration for Briefcase Moms came from the fact that I became one. I became a mom and um, I had a a pretty intense uh, career. And I couldn't, I was trying to figure out how do I do it? Like, how do I uh, stay engaged in my career, you know, and be uh, a great mom. And for anyone who's gone through that transition, it is uh, a bit of an identity crisis, because your priorities change, you know, from a priority of being very, all about career to being about children and career. So uh, what I did was um, I was uh, coaching a lot of people one-on-one at the time. And so I started coaching a lot of uh, uh, working moms who were struggling with the same issues as I was and started to document that. And that turned into a book all about um, how to do that. And that book really, uh, the underpinning of that book was all about coaching and using uh, coaching techniques to support women to excel in those areas and why organizations were very interested in this. And I ran programs and organizations around this is uh, retaining their working moms because there's a real drop off uh, attrition uh, turnover point when women are trying to manage a career and a family at the same at the same time. So, yeah, so it was a very enjoyable time working with lots of women, thousands of women on this topic. Such a purposeful and impactful book. I love hearing about that. And, you know, it, it's funny, and through COVID and the 
the migration and the the amount of women that were leaving the workforce. And it's it's so damaging to companies because all the research shows that it, if at least half of your leadership team are female, your company outperforms teams where that's not the case. And you can have more females on a leadership team uh, than the 50%. But when you get to less, there's a, there's a big impact there. So helping women navigate and balance that is a big, big deal. So Lisa, I want to talk to you about when when was the light bulb moment for you in your leadership journey where you realized that becoming a coach or more coach-like completely changed the game? Mm. Uh, well, that happened when I was um, leading an organization. So I was, uh, I was a partner in a national consulting firm. And um, I happened to be at the time the youngest and only partner and sat on sat on the board. And I had PL responsibilities for my Vancouver office. And then I also had PL responsibilities for a national division that uh, that we ran. So to say that I had a lot of pressure and a lot on the go is a is an understatement. So at the time, I was the kind of leader that you know saw myself as an expert in my field. And I spent most of my time uh, telling my team what to do and how to do it and uh, hope and sometimes worry that they would be successful. And what I began to notice is that my team started to uh, disengage. Uh, They uh, stopped really uh, putting themselves forward in team meetings. Uh, And I started to feel like I needed to take over everything. Right. I began to do more micromanagement. Uh, Deadlines weren't being met. And it started to become this vicious cycle downward. And I started to burn out. And I said, something, you know, something has to change. What what can I do better or differently here? And that's when I started to learn about coaching, leadership coaching, executive coaching. And as I began to learn more about it, I started to change my leadership style instead of being the kind of leader that. Uh, told people what to do, I started to ask questions. Instead of being the kind of leader that didn't listen, was moving too fast, I slowed down and listened mindfully to people. And I started to see some changes happen, Danny. I started to see that my team felt more empowered and they had more autonomy because I was getting out of their way and letting them do the work that they could do. And as a result, we got better results. And then, you know, I was hooked. This really works. And it makes a huge difference in not only how I was feeling and reducing my feelings of stress and burnout, but my team was happier. And from there, I just really got into coaching. That's a powerful shift, right? Because I, mm-hmm. what I heard you talk about a little earlier in your leadership journey was kind of created a dependency culture. Mm-hmm. And I know I've, I've done that in my mm-hmm. leadership journey where everybody becomes dependent on you. 100%. And, and we think that when I was, I was having a, a conversation with a good friend of mine the other day, he runs a, a huge engineering firm. And he said that he, he thought when people came to him and he solved their problem, that he taught them how to solve that problem. <laughs> but all he actually taught them how to do was come to him to get the answers for every challenge they, they faced. So as you, what are so what are some of the key differences when from traditional leadership mm. to coach like leadership? Mm. That's a great question. And 
the the key the key difference well let me let me back up before I even answer that the way that i was trained as a young leader was uh similar to the story you just said about your about your friend it was all about uh command and control right um i was i was trained it to 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 tell people what to do that you know it was my role to have all the answers to know everything and to be able to present myself in that way as a leader so that i would be seen as credible uh taken seriously and i think that's where a lot of traditional management styles come from because it was a way in which we viewed leadership right you needed to be that strong person that held the vision that knew how to do everything and was able to impart that successfully to your team and that type of leadership style or more traditional type of style also led to more micromanagement and that was what i really suffered from as a as a as a young leader is that i felt that i knew how to do it and i knew how to do it the right way and so i would tell you how to how to do that. And so to me that's more of that traditional style of of leadership. The more modern style of leadership and the way we need to lead today and uh, due to the research and also what we know uh, uh millennials and particularly Gen Z how they will uh, thrive in the workplace is by having more autonomy and being more empowered. And so that's where coach like leadership comes in because the tenets of coach like leadership are really around this idea that the answers to challenges lie within the individual that is experiencing them not the leader themselves and your role when you're a coach like leader is to help enhance the self-awareness of the coach or employee so that and support them and guide them to coming to their own solutions and that's how people really learn and grow and that's what employees today really want in the workplace because when you allow that then they feel heard they feel valued and respected you hit on uh, a frustration i hear from a lot of leaders that we're working with <clears throat> this whole idea of the millennials and gen z mm -hmm. and and leaders wanting them as their employees to adapt to their style instead mm -hmm. of the leader shifting and adapting to the environment around them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny to talk about traditional versus coach. Like I think we're kind of set up to fail in a lot of organizations when we make the transition to leadership, because before being promoted, we were always the person that knew how to solve the problem. A lot of times we were the best at whatever it is that we were doing. Yeah. And so we were rewarded and promoted into a position for doing all of the things that are actually today really viewed as negative leadership mm -hmm. behaviors. Mm -hmm. They're completely the opposite of, of coach-like. <laughs> You yeah. know, Simon Sinek says that instead of being responsible for doing the job, we're responsible for the people doing the job. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear this shift and to hear you talk about the importance of this with millennials and Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's so much research out there to support that. And I'm also a parent of a, a Gen Z or Z. And uh, they do not want to hear, well, back in the day, I did it this way. That is one of the worst things that you can say as a leader to uh, a team with those with those generations in it. They're, they're not interested in that, right? They're interested in what are we doing today and how can I do it, right? 
And the interesting thing I find in when we go into organizations to uh, support leaders to become more coach-like with our program, uh, we usually see there's two archetypes, and this is just uh, following up on what you've just been saying, two archetypes of leaders that we work with. One is that more senior leader that has been trained, as you and I have just been talking about, and they're really um, uh, cemented in that traditional leadership style. The other is, as you were pointing out, is uh, the newer leader that has just been promoted into a people leading position, but hasn't had any training. So they really don't know what to do, right? And they might fall back on their expertise and what they know, because that's what they know. But that's, that's not what you need to be successful. That skill set that brings you to be promoted to be a people leader is not the skill set that you need to be successful as a people leader. What are... What are some of the essential skills we need to build and develop to be a successful coach-like leader? Mm, yeah, that's a, a fantastic question. So um, let me first define what a coach-like leader is in, from my perspective. So a coach-like leader brings the spirit of coaching to their own personal leadership style. So it's not about changing who you are. It's about integrating the spirit of coaching into your leadership style. And leaders with fundamental coaching skills can inspire, they can connect with, and bring out the best in their teams and employees. So here's the thing. Coach-like leaders don't just tell their employees what to do. They use a combination of deep curiosity and empathy to guide their teams on a path to finding the answers within themselves. And coach-like leaders don't lock themselves in their offices and redo all the work themselves like I used to do, you know, which caused my burnout. They hold people capable. So this is really important. They hold people capable and empower them to reach new heights in their careers, produce results, and really be a champion of a company culture. So if there's five key signs of a coach-like leader, one, you listen more than you speak, two, you're curious and empathetic. Three, you ask versus tell. Four, you ensure that others feel heard, valued, and respected. And five, you hold people capable. So that's what being a coach-like leader is, is all about, Danny. So this, this shift that, yeah. as I listen to you, from holding people accountable to holding mm -hmm. people capable, what does mm -hmm. holding people capable look like? Yeah, it's interesting. I have a whole uh, webinar I do on this actual topic. So so the difference is, is holding people capable means that you first believe in them. You believe in their ability. You believe in their creativity. You believe that they um, have a way in, in, inside themselves that they can problem solve. So you hold them, you hold them capable. So the best way I can connect that for you is to say, holding people capable equals you believe, right? You believe in them. So did you ever see that uh, show, Ted Lasso? Oh yeah, I love okay. Ted Lasso. So Ted Lasso, remember in the locker room, he had the big sign up there, believe. Mm -hmm. A big part of why uh, Ted Lasso was successful as a coach in that particular program is because he believed in his team, remember? And he had each individual be able to believe in themselves more and more. And the more they believed in themselves, the better they performed. So the other part of that equation, so we hold people capable first. It doesn't mean we throw accountability out the door, Dan. 
It just means instead of holding people capable, uh, holding people accountable first, we hold them capable first. And then we set in the structure to hold them accountable. But if you just hold people accountable first, you haven't got that belief system set up internally for them. And the more you believe in them, the more they believe in themselves, and then the more they believe in you as a leader. So it's a, it's a great and beautiful circle. It is a great and beautiful circle. I, I love Ted Lasso. There's so many leadership lessons to be taken from that. You know, one of the three powerful trust accelerators that we talk about is believing in others. Mm. Believing in another person is one of the greatest gifts we can ever 100%, 100%. give them. And, and this, this idea of holding people capable, being founded in believing in other people, man, what just what a powerful mindset shift. Yeah. So, so it, it's a lot easier for most people to share what's on their mind, mm -hmm. <laughs> to share their experience sure <clears throat> than to get comfortable with asking questions. Yes. And and knowing what questions to ask. Yeah. What is as a leader who's trying to make that shift, mm -hmm. what are some things that they can do? What's some advice mm -hmm. or guidance that you can give? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about advice right there. So I, I am going to uh, share with you some techniques you can use. And one of them as a leader is not to give advice. Okay, because advice is often to the for the benefit of the sender. So let me explain. When we are as leaders, our intention is good when we give advice. Our intention is that we're being helpful and that we are supporting others. But for the person on the receiving end, a lot of times unsolicited advice is felt uh, is not really wanted and can often feel like a form of criticism to others. Mm. Yeah. So what we want to do when we're being more coach-like is to refrain from giving unsolicited advice because people don't necessarily want to hear your stories about what you did, when, and how, unless they're specifically asking you uh, for that. And, the, and even when they ask you for that, when you're more coach-like, you're armed with some questions to really help verify what's the purpose of that. Right. Uh, so there's a really important distinction to make between um, mentoring and coaching. And this is something when we run our program that uh, when we first start teaching people about being more coach like is to really understand what is the definition of coaching and how is it different from teaching and mentoring um, and helping. So the key the key differential is, is that when you're a mentor, your role is to advise. Right. You're teaching people something um, about you that you learned on your path that you think will, will be helpful to them. That's not coaching. Coaching is meeting people where they are and guiding them to their own answers, right? So as a leader, you want to be uh, very intentional about when you use mentoring and when you use coaching and not to confuse them. And what we see a lot is that there is a overlap of the usage of that in leaders' minds. And you will not get the same results with a mentoring conversation as you will with a coaching conversation. They're used for different, they're used for different things. Why is that? What's the neuroscience or the psychology? Yeah, so the that? neuroscience of that is that in your uh, lizard brain, as Seth Godin says, or, or your amygdala, 
is, is when someone um, starts ad advising, it feels threatening to you. It feels like you've done something wrong, uh, particularly if you haven't asked for it, right? So I'm talking specifically about unsolicited advice. And as I mentioned earlier, the research in particular around uh, Gen, Gen Z is they do not want to hear the stories of back in my day, I did it this way. They just don't, right? They're not, in, they're not interested in that. <laughs> So, so coming back to questions. So the first thing was um, uh, don't give unsolicited advice when you're coaching. The second part of the question you asked was, you know, how do I ask good questions? So the way we like to think about this is we call them um, powerful questions. And powerful questions are questions that will, that are thought provoking, that will cause the coachee to pause for a minute and think about what their answer might be. Because then they're going in and they're trying to tap from their own their own self and their own self-awareness. And I'm, I'm sure, Danny, you could probably think of a time when someone asked you a powerful question that caused you to stop in your your tracks. Can you think of any of that happening to you at any time? You know, I've had um, so many great leaders and, and leaders that ask questions. I'm trying to think of, of a time. You know, my good friend Dave Schreiner uses appreciative inquiry a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that future focused line of questioning and, you know, imagine yourself a year from now in your speaking and coaching business, you know, what does that look like? Mm, what are question. you doing? Yeah. How does that feel? What yeah. did it take to get there? Yeah. And when you ask people questions like that and use appreciative inquiry, you talk about pause and thinking that isn't something you can just spit an answer out to, right? No, that's right. And so what I noticed you say there, and this is uh, the, the, the tenets of a powerful question is those examples that you just gave were all what and how questions. What and how questions. And uh, they're important because, and also they were open-ended, right? So they were what, how questions that were open-ended, which make them powerful. What is not a powerful question is using a how and a what that is closed-ended. How was your day? Well, you're going to get good or bad, right? So you want to ask powerful questions that open a person's mind up to thinking around the possibilities and to be able to tap into their own, own solutions. The other thing, the question that we want to avoid when we're asking powerful questions are questions that start with the word why. Mm, yes. Right. Because when we ask a why question that, again, uh, sets up, sets off the amygdala because it feels it feels threatening. And uh, it's and what we'll see is when we ask why questions, people will often respond with um, rationales or excuses for their behavior. So, for example, if you were to ask somebody, what is the reason that you were late for the, the past two meetings versus why are you late for meetings? And even if you ask it in the same tone, you're going to get a very different response. So that's one of the uh, really important things that we teach in the Coach Like Leader program is how to ask powerful questions. Because you might inadvertently, one of the biggest things people take away from that is, wow, I ask a lot of why questions. And of course you may, because some of us, depending on our field, have been trained in the five whys like the way that you make inquiry, but that's not the kind of questioning that you want to use when you're having a coaching conversation. 
the the why questions really do imply that somebody has done something wrong, that there mm -hmm. is a judgment, mm -hmm. that there is disagreement, mm -hmm. right? Or disapproval. Disapproval. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I, I love how you broke down some of the, the key components of how to ask powerful questions, mm -hmm. how to go deeper than the surface level. And earlier mm -hmm. you said something um, just about the, the mindset of curiosity, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. we're asking to understand, we're mm -hmm. asking from a place of empathy to gain perspective mm -hmm. of another person. Mm -hmm. We're not asking because we disagree or we're waiting to judge. Mm -hmm. And then the ability to listen, to understand versus listen mm -hmm. to respond. Mm, huge. Really changes everything. It changes everything. So it's all about intent, isn't it? What's the intent that I have when I go into a coaching conversation with someone? And, and we teach uh, that it's so important, as you said, the mindset, right? To have a coaching mindset. So what does that mean? Well, that means that you come at um, coaching with a coach approach, which says I'm empathetic and curious when I speak to people. Like I actually care. I, I really care, Danny, about what you think and um, where you want to go and uh, how I can support you to get there. Not do it for you, but as a leader, how I can support you uh, to get there. And that goes a long way in building relationships and trust, right? And if we want to be successful with our teams, we have to build that. And uh, if you don't um, come at it from that perspective with that, that coaching mindset, I think you're going to have trouble being successful and being coach-like because you can learn all these techniques that you and I are talking about, about powerful questions and mindful listening and the coaching formula and all those things. But when we teach in the, in the program, you know, we have three stages that we take people through and the fur and it's key to the uh, acronym ACE approach coaching formula, everyday coaching, because our role, what I'm trying to do is have people be everyday coaches. So when you become coach, like you do this every day as a leader, not once a year in a performance review or not once a quarter in a performance discussion, you, you do it every day. And so the A in ACE stands for approach. And that's exactly what you and I've just been talking about coming at this with a mindset that is uh, using curiosity and empathy you know, and showing, and showing care for the people that you, that you lead. So some people hear the word empathy yeah. and they think about it and it's um, rawest form yeah. that somebody is struggling mm -hmm. and you climb down into the hole and sit with them. Right. Mm -hmm. Renee Brown's talk talks about mm -hmm. that's empathy. Compassion mm -hmm. is the, the action of, of reaching down into the hole and help pull them out. But yeah. when you think about, deeper meaning of empathy and empathetic mm -hmm. leadership. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? And mm -hmm. why is that so powerful? And why is it so important to be a coach like leader? Uh, because I think that, uh, and I think this is where you and I, you know, first started connecting was about how we both feel about the importance of, of uh, empathy. And, you know, there is the difference, as you're saying, between sympathy, empathy, and and compassion and empathy from my perspective for uh, coach like leadership is, is the ability to really understand someone to be with them and to uh, uh, share and hear what they're feeling. Right. And then to be able to support them with what it is that they need to do. Right. So 
um, if they're feeling frustrated or they're, uh, or they're feeling sad or they're feeling um, elated or whatever that may be, is to sit with them long enough and listen and ask the right questions to understand where they're coming from is the best way that I can describe it so that then you as the leader can support them through whatever that next um, you know, hurdle maybe for them, or maybe it's not even a hurdle. Maybe it's like a, a trajectory upwards, right? There's not actually a hurdle. It's to, it's to keep, you know, um, moving forward. And that's the whole part about coach like leadership. It's all about and from my perspective. It's all about the action, the taking of the action and moving the coachy forward. It's not about staying and it's not about status quo and staying in the same place because we're always wanting to move. Right. So so it's not um, when I talk about um, coaching and the coaching formula. So the way we describe coaching and, and the coaching formula is coaching is a combination of powerful questions and mindful listening that lead to results. So there has to be all three of those parts of the equation for you to have had a successful coaching conversation. If you have powerful question and mindful listening and no results, you've had a lovely conversation, Danny, like you and I are having, because we're asking powerful questions. You're asking powerful questions. You're listening mindfully. We're having a great conversation. I wouldn't say it's a coaching conversation, right? Because we're not leading to an, an, an end result. So the end result, a result is taking an action, an action or a plan that will move the coachee forward. Oh, I'm going to be taking action. I'm going to be developing a plan to be better at my ability to coach and connect and to make sure I'm doing that every single day. That's fair. That's fair. But I'm not asking you a lot of questions, right? I know. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm the mentee. I'm the coachee. The, the, the interesting thing you said, I think is really powerful is this idea of empathy allows us to meet people where they're at. hundred percent. And the job of coaching isn't for us to take somebody from where they are to where we want them to be. It's to for us to take them from where they are to where they want to be through yeah. asking powerful questions, listening mindfully, yeah. and them being able to identify actions they can take. Because when, when they come to this, Mm-hmm. And when they embrace it and when they have mm-hmm. that aha moment and when mm-hmm. they're proud of themselves for getting there, mm-hmm. they can own that and it becomes part of them and they're able to make it their own because they were able to formulate a way to get there. Yes. hundred percent. That's, and, and it's, yeah, that's the, that is the power. That's, the magic. that's why great leaders are great coaches. Yes. Great leaders, are great multipliers. And yeah. what do you, what do you say? To, to a leader who's like, Danny, Lisa, I, I love this. I I agree, but I'm so busy. And yeah. if I took the time to do this and instead of just giving the answer and letting people keep going on, I'd never get anything done. What do you say to that? Mm. Well, I'd probably ask a few questions around that. But the first one would be, well, would be um, what do you think will be different for you if you don't make a change? Hmm. <laughs> I love it. And we would go from, and we would go from there. There would probably be a series of questions I would ask, uh, but that would be where we would, where we would start because you want the leader to understand that if nothing changes, nothing changes. And if they want things, you have to ascertain, do they actually want things to be different? 
And um, if they don't, then they're going to stay status quo. If they do, then we can work towards supporting them to, as you said, identify the actions that they want to take. And that's part of the power of coaching when you were talking about that. And um, is there's the brain science behind that too, because when people uh, take actions on their own accord, aligned with what's important to them, they, uh, they get a little bit of dopamine, you know, and, and so your brain says, I'm happy with this, I like this. And so mm-hmm. that's part of that. That's part of that aha moment that you that you were talking about. And when we have those kinds of insights, um, those are the precursor to behavior change, right? If we're going to get in a bit nerdy about this, right? Yeah. So when you when you help the coachee have that insight and some self-sufficiency, they drop uh, the dopamine, then they're like, oh, well, this will then spur me to action. So it's the insights that, you know, spur the action, the dopamine, and then the action to creating new habits, right? Because those actions then, that small behavior change is then the foundation of a new habit. And so what we're trying to do in the coach like leader is understanding and using all of that to help these leaders create new habits, sustaining habits around being coached like every day. Yeah. So what we're teaching, we're actually doing with our students at the same time, if that makes sense. (laughs) And in a, in a, um, in addition to the dopamine, I got to believe there's a strong hit of oxytocin, the bonding chemical, because you feel seen, heard, Mm -hmm. valued. Mm -hmm. You feel there's Mm -hmm. there's a, it's serotonin, right? The, the significance chemical is being released. These chem And and so to me, I think it's cool. And we'll nerd out for a second that there is, there is science behind why this is the new age of leadership and how it works and why it works and why it is effective. It is. And, and one of the things we talk to leaders about Lisa is think about how many times you're interrupted. Think about how many times you're in flow and you are interrupted. Mm. And while, and while a coaching conversation might take 15 or 20 minutes, it's an investment. And mm-hmm. when you, because when somebody comes in and you have a coaching conversation, think about it in a pizza, right? Like mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out the pepperoni. Mm-hmm. When, when you have a coaching conversation, you don't help them just figure out the pepperoni. You help them figure out the slice. And before mm-hmm. you know it, mm-hmm. they, they can take care of the whole pie. Mm. And and they're not coming to you time and time again. And the constant interruptions, you become a mm. multiplier. Mm. And now people are acting independently on their mm. own. They're empowered. They're ignited. Mm. They're innovative. They're proactively solving these challenges yeah. that never come to you. So I believe it does take more time on the front end, but it is an investment. And it's one of the most powerful, the, the mm. most powerful investments we can make for our people Yep. And for ourselves as leaders. Exactly. I couldn't say it any better than that. That was beautiful. I love the, uh, I love the, the metaphor of the pizza too. I think that that, you know, that is great. And, and y- you, you hit the nail on the head because this is a sum of, if there is any resistance uh, about coaching, it is that it's the time. And we see this come up every time we take a cohort, you know, through the program, like, oh, well, I don't have time and I haven't got time and et cetera, et cetera. And the reality is how we talk about it is, well, if you look at it from a business perspective, um, before you go into implementation, one would hope you develop a strategy, right? Because otherwise all those, all those uh, uh, activities or tactics that you're implementing aren't going anywhere. They're not, they're not directed. So you can imagine the time that you would lose if you do that. So it's the same thing with your, with your people. 
if you just take a little bit of time up front, it saves you so much time in the long run of going in the wrong direction. And that that seems to hit home with, you know, people they are like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And what we're doing and 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 I love that you said 15 minutes, because a lot of times there's a misconception that coaching has got to be this sit down one hour long conversation. It doesn't. What we're teaching people how to do is be everyday coaches so that you can have those con- co- coaching conversations sometimes in 10 minutes or less, because it's all about changing how you show up every day, Danny, with your people, with an inquisitive mind, right? I like to, I like to call it being that compassionate investigative reporter, right? You're trying to get underneath things. You're trying to understand what's, what's really happening with people. And clearly as a leader, one of the things we want to work towards is understanding our people's intrinsic motivation right? Mm. Because our role as leaders is to inspire to vision, right? To, to uh, inspire people to action around vision. And we can't do that without understanding what intrinsically motivates my team. And the way you do that is through coach-like conversations. 100% empathy. I think empathy gives us the roadmap to people's passions, desires, fears, like dislikes, motivators, what inspires them. Um, we could, we could go like down a whole rabbit hole there, but we got a few minutes left here Okay. and I want to, I want, we, we talked about, we've talked about a ton of stuff that I think is mm. actionable. I think there's mindset shifts. I think there's things people can do and practice just from our short conversation. And we'll, we'll talk about how to get in touch with you and go to your website, get some free things that are available tools there and look into things more. Mm. Um, but a big part of this is active listening, listening mm-hmm. mindfully. So what tips or strategies do you have to help people become better listeners? So many. <laughs> what are like you, the top two? <laughs> I know, I know, I know you, I know you do too. So I think in terms of summarizing that is a, a way to look at it would be um, when you're having a conversation with someone and, and we're talking about practicing mindful listening where are you shining the spotlight? Are you shining the spotlight on the other person? Or are you shining it on yourself or both? And the key is, if you want to have a successful coach-like conversation and practice mindful listening, is the spotlight needs to always be on the other person. And so when I was talking before about uh, unsolicited advice giving, that's when you put the spotlight back on you and make the conversation all about yourself. This was worth the entire conversation, right? Because I'm constantly, like everybody, not everybody, but 95% of the population can hear. Mm-hmm. Like 10% of the population knows how to listen, right? Mm, <laughs> as, as human beings, yeah. we're wired to share. And those, you know, don't, yeah. you're not going to be able to Google and find those stats because I just made them up. But, <laughs> But when, you good, think, <laughs> but when you think about mindful listening, if if you start with just the mindset shift of shining the light on mm. the other person, and then you combine that with curiosity and, and minimal encouragers and just some of the components of active listening, Wow, that's something that we can all do today. We can enter the conversation and say, mm-hmm. we are going to shine the light on this person and we're going to resist the temptation of hijacking the conversation. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Back. You got to hold yourself back. And and that 
that is 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 the key, right? Is if you are conscious and intentional, like you're saying, about shining the spotlight on someone else, you will notice when you are not. And you will, and you will fall out of it, but that's okay. That's part of the learning process. Just bring it back. Because we're going to be times where we're shining it, ooh, and we shine it over there, right? But then we got to just bring it back. So as you're growing and developing and learning is be compassionate with yourself because you will, you will not do this 100%, 100% of the time, but you can begin. You can begin. Practice. Mm-hmm. Got to create new habits. Exactly, 100%. It, it's so hard because- so much of leadership is abnormal human behavior. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And that's why everything we talk about, everything I know I share, I, I tell people this is aspirational. There's no way I could show up 100% of the time and, and, and do this and execute 100% of the time. I'm just a human being. And the more we give ourselves grace in that and the, the more we're mindful, we're intentional mm-hmm. about these things and the more we practice, the better it will become. And the good news is if you if you mess up, on your journey that that's okay. It's totally okay. It's It's, okay. It's it's totally okay. It's better to be in progress than to worry about perfection, you know, and uh, you just need to start with coach like leadership. And, you know, I can tell you that when you practice just some of the things that you and I have talked about today, you will start to see a difference in a, how you show up and b how people respond to you. And how people connect with you and how you build those trusting relationships, which as a leader, those are what you need to get results. And at the end of the day, you are measured on your results, right? The results that you get through others. And so if you were really serious about being excellent in that, I believe that if you uh, integrate these coach-like skills into your day- day-to-day leadership, you'll see a difference there. You'll just be... Um, You'll be less stressed as a leader and your teams will be happier. And who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? You know, that kind of like jumped my last question about what is the ROI on being Mm. a coach like leader? So in addition to what you just shared, what are some other organizational impacts that we see Mm. from being a coach like leader? Yeah, there's tons of research uh, out there to support this, Danny. But what we see is we see an improvement in communication skills and communication between leaders and teams and amongst teams themselves. We see um, improved engagement. So you'll be much more engaged. And this is obvious when you feel um, heard, valued and respected. The outcome is you're much more engaged. Right. Um, We see that this helps with in retention, because we know the uh, uh, equation with engagement and retention. So the more engaged you are, the more likely you're to retain, um, and the less likely you're going to have quiet quitting. So you'll see a reduction in quiet quitting as well. So those are just some of the some of the things. And there's research also to suggest that you'll see an improvement in um, financial results when you have more coach like leaders and a more coach like culture. And in fact, I think the the stat was a 21%. This was a study that was done a 21% increase in business results. So there's some solid, there's some solid numbers out there to show that this works. It's not just, you know, an airy, very nice, you know, thing to have. It is actually there, a need to have. There are tangible results that we are all searching for within our companies and organizations from being a coach like leader. We're talking about Lisa Martin, the founder of the Coach Like Leader, the best selling author of Briefcase Moms, which again, I think is just 
fantastic. The, the, the women in our organizations, especially the female leaders and the increased responsibility face so many more challenges because of their roles at home as a mom. So I encourage people to go out and read that. And I encourage male leaders to get a deeper understanding of that and to help become champions of that. Because oftentimes one of the issues I see in, in our female leaders, they don't give themselves grace. They don't treat themselves with compassion. They, they stack this up. And I think we can help take that off both the male and female leaders within organizations. Lisa, do you have a call to action for our listeners as we walk out of here today? Uh, yes. Uh, if this has piqued your curiosity at all about becoming more coach-like as a leader, you can um, head to my website, which is coachlikeleader.com. And we have a Coach Like Leader starter kit that uh, people can grab and that'll get them on their way to their coach-like journey. Awesome. 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 That will be linked in the podcast description along with Lisa's LinkedIn profile. If you're not following her on LinkedIn, she that's where we first connected. And I that's just right. absolutely fell in love with her, her philosophy on leadership, her thoughts on leadership, her actionable strategies on leadership. I love reading and engaging in her content. The there, There's so many, so many takeaways today, but when you talked about mentoring versus coaching, you said meet people where they're at and guide them to their own answers. Mm -hmm. Truly the essence of coaching. When we look at critical skills and competencies to be coach-like, resist the temptation to give advice. Do not give advice. In our brains, it's taken as a form of criticism. So many times people come and they just want somebody to listen. Mm -hmm. They want somebody to, they, they, they just want to feel heard. You know, this want to feel acknowledged there. It's it, to ask powerful questions, thought provoking questions that um, create people, cause people to stop and pause and think open ended questions, avoiding why questions again, because they, they're taken as, as being a criticism. You know, approach this listen versus talk, be curious versus judgmental, ask versus tell. Um, it just in, in hold people capable, mm. what, what a shift to believe instead of this hold accountable, hold capable, meaning believe in them. Lisa, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. So much gold in this episode. I can't wait to go back and dissect it and just think about all the areas that I can just try to add layers of greatness to what it is that we're doing. Well, thanks for having me, Danny. And thank you for spreading the word about how important this is. And the more leaders that we can get to practice being coach-like every day, the better our workplaces are going to be. Great leaders are great coaches because great coaches are great multipliers, the, the, the types of environments they create. To our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating review so we can reach more people. And remember to always be committed to excellence. <laughs> 